Good morning, church. I've got a home in heaven. Amen. What's awesome about our fellowship of churches is we do have a home in heaven, but we have brothers and sisters here on earth with us. Uh, And I did want to announce uh, Caleb just got baptized. Uh, Goes to James Madison University. Um, I I love this church and I'm uh, so thankful for the Blue Ridge Church, uh, mainly because you guys found my wife. You guys found the woman who completes me. Um, Yeah, sorry. Um, But like I said, I'm so grateful. There's so many connections here. Um, Like Drew said, uh, I lived with the Portillos uh, for about three months uh, before I got married. Uh, I discipled Will. Uh, That was a fun time. Um, But yeah, I I have so many connections here. And even the the Jameses are here. And you might be thinking to yourself, you wore that suit last week. (laughs) Because I don't preach normally, and this is my one preaching suit. So, praise God for second chances. Um, So, uh, this morning... um, what God, God is amazing. God's worked it out in our lives and, and, and given both myself and Brittany the opportunity to, to go into the full-time ministry and lead the planting to Lynchburg, Virginia. Amen. It's exciting. It's extremely scary. Um, right now, we both work full-time. I work as a civil engineer on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, and she works as an academic advisor at Regent University. Um, so we're comfortable you know what I mean? Uh, we're very comfortable with where we are. And it, it's taking a huge step of faith uh, to get out of our comfort zone, to quit our jobs, to go into the mission field where there's a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And so this morning, that's what I want to talk about. Uh, the lesson's not necessarily about Lynchburg, but it is about making faithful decisions as well as Living out a life according to the mission. So go ahead and uh, turn over to Isaiah 6. Uh, this is a very familiar passage. Um, when, uh, when I first got baptized in 2011, uh, that first summer we went to an ICMC, ICMC um, down in Georgia, the Deeper Conference. Uh, I was about three months old as a disciple. And there was a lesson given, and they said, the challenge was, have the heart to go on two mission plantings. One domestic and one foreign. In my head, I wasn't leading it. Uh, I was like, yeah, I had the heart, let's go, let's go make a difference for God. Um, And I think it was out of faith that I had that heart. Uh, Not just zeal, uh, without knowledge, but... That's what we're, we're, we get the opportunity to go do now is to, to lead the church in Lynchburg. But hopefully you guys are over in Isaiah 6. Um, I love the picture. I don't love it, but it, there is a picture uh, of Isaiah 1 to 5 that God just paints the, the state of his people. He, he paints a very grim picture in Isaiah 1 to 5. It's all about where his people are now. It describes them as a rebellious nation. 
It describes them as a, a faithful city who has become a prostitute. It is um, described that he, he gives woes and judgments onto them. It's not a very pretty picture of how he's telling the people about themselves. Right? But all in all, God ultimately wants everybody to come back and have a relationship with him. Right? The, the whole point not is to, to hurt you, to, to turn you away, but to, to bring you closer and to have a relationship with God. And he does that through prophets going and exposing the nation and calling them back to God. And, and that's where we kind of pick up here in Isaiah 6 is where, where God is, is about to enlist Isaiah to do the, exactly that. So please read with me in Isaiah 6. He says in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices and the doorposts and thresholds shook. The temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among the people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he was taken with, thong, with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. My first point is uh, faithful decisions. Um, I love this portrayal of God sitting on the throne, his robe filling the temple, seraphim flying around, covering their, their eyes and their feet because of how holy God is. And just even the, the power of the seraphim where their voices Singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. The doorposts shook. And then the whole temple was filled with smoke. I love this picture because it just, it paints a picture of how holy and how powerful God is. But it also paints a picture of how humble Isaiah is. It paints a picture he's down and he, he realizes like, oh my gosh. This is, this is the creator. This is God. Who am I? And he takes a, a reflection of his own life saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. And not just me, but the people around me also unclean lips. He understood where the people of God were at at that time. He was extremely humble to the fact that he knew who he was and he was unworthy to be in front of, of God the Father like that. God asked this question. Um, 
Who are we going to send? Who's going to go? God is in the Trinity talking. It, it makes me think, um, I don't know if you're, 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 your parents ever did this, but they'll, they'll ask you a question knowing you're listening. They'll ask you a question or ask a question out loud and assume that you're listening so that you, they, they want you to respond, but they're just trying to find out where your heart's at with it. Like, who's going to take out the trash? <laughs> I'll do it, Mom. Or the, doesn't have to be your mom. It could be your wife. <laughs> um, amen. We take out the trash. Um, but it, it's, it's... Lost my train of thought. But uh, God asked this question. And... and and Isaiah makes a very faithful decision to answer. Yeah. He makes a faithful decision to, to say, hear my sin me. What's cool is that he doesn't know what he's about to get sent to do. Right. right? God hasn't explained to him what he's about to do. God hasn't said, hey, you're about to have some hardship. You're about to go tell the people that they're ruined. Um, and you're going to try and call them back to me. He, he doesn't, he, that hasn't been said yet. It's strictly a faithful decision to say, hear my, send me. Yeah. And I, th- I think to myself, why? Why would, why would he say that? Why would he just not even know what's, what's about to come, but just stand up and say, hear my, send me? Yeah. I think there, there's three things that I see that he really thought about. Um, I think it started with he knew the, the state of the people. Right? He took an inward reflection of who he is. And he took an outward reflection of who, where the people are at right now. And he saw that there was a need. Yeah. He also knew who God was. And how powerful he was. Right? We just saw this beautiful scene of God's power and his holiness. He knew that, that God was more powerful than anything that could be standing in his way. Um. But more importantly, he also just got atoned for his sin, yeah. right? Like he, he just had the, the seraphim. Don't know what that actually looks like, but just put a coal on his lips and his sin and his guilt was all atoned for. So there had to be some type of gratitude there as well. So his faithful decision was based on what has already been happening in his life. What God has already done for him and what he knows that God can continue to do for him. Um, I, like like uh, Drew said, uh, we do have a, a daughter. Her name is Kendall. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, she's almost two years old. Um, and what's cool about it is faithful decisions are like when you make a faithful decision, uh, a kid or a child sees it, right? Um, a faithful decision, your, your children will see it, but even people... Around you will see the faithful decisions you make. Yeah. And, and especially in kids, they, they see the motivation too. Yeah. right? They know why you're making that decision. They can read between the lines. Yeah. Um, and what's, what's amazing is like when you make faithful decisions, you're passing on your faith to your kids. Yeah. Right? And you have an option to either pass on faith or fear. Yeah. Right? The decisions you make, they're either based out of or fear great. or faith. Um, And you can pass that on to your kids. Um, 
when you, when you have a kid, your life immediately and can immediately become so consumed with the child. Whether it's sleep schedules or whether it's sports activities, whatever it may be, it can so easily become so consumed with them. But you as the parent have to make faithful decisions. Um, I know for, for us, um, you, you, if you, the sleep schedule thing is a real thing. I, I didn't know about it. I didn't know about it until you had a kid. And um, If she doesn't go to sleep at this time, that means you're not going to sleep later, which is going to affect your next day. And you could, in, in my own self, I could start making decisions based off fear. Rather than based off of faith. Um, But what's cool is. uh, Me and my wife we've made it very clear. Like we're going to make faithful decisions. When it comes to going to midweek. And and, and praying. And what's so cool. And uh, Drew can attest to this. Because this morning. um, She loves church. I mean like. There's like two weeks ago. Um. She wasn't feeling well, so she wasn't going to be able to go to church. And she's like, church, church. No, I, want, I want to go to church. Like, she, she loves it. And amen, sometimes her sleep schedule suffers. But it's a faithful decision. And then she's growing in the faith and loving God. But also just the, the faithful decision to pray with her. Um, we were sitting down Tuesday. Brittany works late. So me and Kendall were eating together. And we were praying. And then we were eating our food. And she's like, pray. <laughs> so we, we go about it and we pray again. And then we start eating again. And she's like, pray. <laughs> and that happened like three or four times to the point where I'm like, all right, I've already prayed about like your future. And <laughs> can we eat now? <laughs> but it, it's cool how like a faithful decision yeah. will be passed on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's cool when you make that decision. You're passing on that faith to your children. But all, not even just your children, but the people that see you. Yeah. Um, whether you're in school or at work, your faithful decisions will, um, people will see it. Yeah. But the, the alternative is true. When you make decisions out of fear, right. that will also be passed on. Um, and fear is a real thing. It's the one thing that cripples our faith, is. is the fear that we have and that fear could be anything, anything from try, fear of relinquishing control, right? Relinquishing control of your schedule, dictating that around God versus school events or even work life. Uh, but making a faithful decision in that. Yeah. Fear of judgment or what are people going to think if I make this faithful decision? Um, yeah. Fear of failing. What if I make this faithful decision and it doesn't go how I believe it's supposed to go. Um, there's this faithful versus fear decision. Um, and as a church, where's our faith this morning? How, what are we making our decisions out of? Is it out of fear or faith? If you're a disciple this morning, we too can be faithful because just like God or just like Isaiah um, was atoned for his sin. We, too, have been atoned for our sins. We, too, have been set free in, uh, of our sin. And there is no, no longer condemnation on us for that. So we can make faithful decisions because God has already made the faithful decision to atone us for our sin. 
we know the condition of our world. Right? It's not like we read this and we're like, I've never seen this before. (laughs) But this is the world we live still today. Go outside. You'll see it. What a corrupt generation we live in just as they lived in. The same power that God had, the same picture that was displayed in Isaiah 6, is the same God that we serve. God didn't change his power. He's still powerful. He's still the creator. If you're visiting us with us this morning, welcome. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, and I pray that faith, faith can be produced in you as well. Um, and please, please, uh, whoever invited you out, study the Bible and see how faith can produce action in your life. Let us be a church that is faithful and make faithful decisions in being humble to God. I, I, we're going to come face to face with God one day, right? Yeah. Just like Isaiah did here. He was face to face with God. Uh, we too will come face to face with God. Yeah. And will he say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. Will he say that to us? Right. That should be a call uh, to our motives and what we do and how we do them. Yeah. Uh, because even in Hebrews eleven six, it says anything that... Uh, is done without faith, will not be pleasing to God. So even calling in our, our own motives uh, and why we do what we do. Um, so that, that's my first point, is, is faithful decisions. All right. And I talk about that first because you could be sold out for the mission, but if it's not based out of faith, it doesn't matter. I talk about faith first so that that can lead into the mission. God's whole mission is to redeem his people. God's whole mission is to bring them back to a relationship with him. Isaiah, Isaiah was called to go to the people, to course correct them, to help them realize how far they have strayed from the path, and to warn them of the coming consequences if they stay on it. This was always to get them to turn back. The prophets were always the mouthpiece of God so that they could call the people back to God and their relationship with God. From the Old Testament with Isaiah, through all the minor prophets, all the way up until Jesus. The mission was to seek and save the lost so that they could have a relationship with God. The mission hasn't changed today either. Um, in Mark 1, uh, 16 to 19, let's read that real quick. I love Mark because um, I'm not a great, I don't know if there's a Mark here, but I love you too. Well, I love you, brother. In Mark 1, I'm not a great reader. Uh, I'm an engineer. I do with math. So that's why I like Mark. It's pretty short. Um, Mark 1, in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. 
At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Um, This is a, a beautiful depiction of, one, Jesus being all things to all men, right? Uh, Jesus is, is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he comes across these fishermen. And what do fishermen know about? Fishing. So how does he call them? I want to make you fishers of men. He knows how he can relate with them. He knows their life stage. He knows what they do. So he can easily, if he says this thing, fisher of men, they'll know exactly what that means. They'll know exactly how to fish. They know techniques. They know everything about fishing. So he uses that to his advantage to call them to fish for people. Jesus did this a lot, actually. He talked with the fishermen. How did he talk with the Pharisees? He he used the law, the Jewish law, which he knew. Um, How did he talk to sinners? He used compassion and love because he knew that's what they needed. It's amazing how Jesus was all things to all men. And Jesus used this to the benefit of the mission. He used this to to bring people closer to God. When you feel connected with something, when you can relate with something, it's easier for someone to call you out on something. You know what I mean? Uh, It's easier if you have a connection It's easier to open up and to talk. Um, Sometimes when I was in campus, I would I just walk around campus trying to find someone with a Redskins jersey or any type of Redskins merchandise. And I would be like, bring up conversation, right, to bring up conversation about the Redskins or or football in general. and, And then somehow I would finagle and talk about God. Um, and it's easy because men love to talk about sports most of the time. So I can bring that, uh, use that to talk about God. Jesus was ingrained in the environment. He knew what to talk about. And he knew how to impact the people. Evangelism or the mission isn't something that we... Do on top of our lives. Right? It's just not another extracurricular. But it's our lives ingrained in the mission. Because God has put you in the specific position that you are in right now. Whether you're a campus student, whether you're married, young married with kids, empty nesters, all wherever you are, God has put you there for his glory. And for that reason, our lives should reflect and be about the mission. Um, Having a daughter, it it, it gave me a whole new group of people that I come more in contact with. Right? As your life stage progresses, there's just more people you can relate to. Right? There's more, like, like for me, when I was in campus... I related to campus students, so I was able to talk to people about campus things. 
when I got a full-time job, I have people around me all the time that can relate. There's some things that, that I can come home and, and somewhat talk about with Brittany, but it, she just doesn't understand because she's not there all day. But there's certain things I can talk about with my coworkers that it just rolls off the tip of the tongue and we can relate. Yeah. And we can use that for the mission. It's cool. Yesterday, uh, we came up yesterday and we got to hang out with uh, Drew and Jenny. And what do you do when you have kids? You go to the park. Um, and it was cool. We were able to go to the park. And it's so easy with kids. I don't, I don't I know, maybe God knew that, like, as a young parent, you were going to be so consumed and thought about your kids that He made it super easy to talk to people when your kids are the like, same age. It's amazing. So we were at the park, um, and we had uh, Drew had a, a conversation with with a, a father of soon to be four girls, um, and inviting them out to church. Like that's a group that maybe he wouldn't have been a part of unless he came to the park with us. Uh, as well as we, um, I was talking to this other uh, couple who had a, a daughter about the same uh, age as Kendall, um, but it's it's amazing how God affects your life stage so that you can be to the glory of him what is it for you church uh for us it was having kindle and it it made it uh easier but also it allowed us to affect so many more people what area in your life can you be using for the mission what area of your life could you be using is it your kids your the playground your sports teams other extracurricular activities, are, are you using them to benefit your children or the mission? Is it work? Are you so focused on work uh, that it's all about work at work and not about the mission? What is it for you? Like I said, Britt doesn't, get under, Britt doesn't understand most of the stuff I talk about at work. Um, so I'm able to talk about it at work with people and share my faith right there. Right. Or is it intramurals? If you're in college, playing with intramurals. Or, or maybe you're not into sports, but you're more into studying. Is it, is it study groups? Is it book clubs? I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> Whatever it is, is it nail salons? I don't, I don't know. But using your whole life. Using your whole life to be about the mission and to impact people. Every aspect of your life could be used for the mission. And and if it is done faithfully, you can have a huge impact. Our lives should be a living testimony of Christ. God has given us the mission to seek and save the lost. And if we do it faithfully, we can do just that. What I love about the mission is it's not just about sharing your faith, right? That's, that's a big part of it, inviting people out to church. But in Matthew 28, it talks about teaching to obey, oh, right? It's not just about taking your invites and giving them to people at the mall or at school or at work. But it's about the whole process of inviting them out, helping them grow in the relationship with God. Then to the point... Of, of baptism and forgiveness of sin. And then, I don't know about you, but I wasn't perfect when I got baptized. I needed continual help. All right. 
It's a whole process of the mission and strengthening and loving people. How are we doing with that? Amen. If we're super evangelistic, praise God. But how are we doing even with studying the Bible with people? How are we doing with encouraging each other? Helping one another. The mission doesn't stop when we just invite them out. The mission is just starting and helping them to know God even more. No matter your life stage, be about the mission. Not just being about the mission, but making faithful decisions about the mission. Um, Like I said, this lesson wasn't supposed to be about Lynchburg. Amen. We're going to make a huge step in faith and going to Lynchburg, Virginia. But you guys have your own missions here. You guys have your own mission in your schools at work. And then even eventually Harrisonburg. Come on. You guys have your own mission. But again, I am here to talk and to let you know that there is a mission planting going out in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, I'd like to invite my wife up. Lynchburg has no appeal to me. (laughs) Just being honest. Um, I I grew up not religious at all. She grew up an atheist. We... (laughs) The environment of Lynchburg just didn't appeal to us. And that's why it's a faithful decision. (laughs) That's why. That scares me. Um, But God has allowed us and, and put it on our hearts. We went there. And we felt pulled. We felt so pulled to go there because of the mission. Because it was an opportunity for us to step out on faith. So, um, we are the Dowdies, by the way. Uh, um, We're the Dowdies. This is at uh, Lynchburg University. Uh, It's a beautiful campus. Um, But we are are the Dowdies. I'd like for, for Brittany to share just about us a little bit. Morning, family. Morning. It's crazy to think. So it was just over 10 years that I became a disciple. And I was baptized here in Charlottesville by people from the, the Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Like, it just feels like coming home today. Um, so I'm just grateful for each one of you for being part of that. Um, and it's, it's so incredible to see that at the age of 18, God allowed me to meet a disciple. And to be able to study the Bible. And then it was March 1st, 2009, I was baptized. And got to have my sins forgiven. And got to have dreams that weren't just about myself, but got to be about God and and his people and helping people know him. Um, About two or three months after I was baptized, I went to Sydney, Australia on a campus internship. And that's crazy. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I encourage like the, the campus students and, and the singles, like do one-year challenges, do internships, like grow in your faith. Even if you're super young, God wants to use you and he wants to grow you. And I remember we were praying at the airport in Sydney, getting ready to come to our flight back to America. And we were praying that their campus ministry there would be strong enough to be able to send Australian disciples to, uh, to America. 
um, because at that point their campus ministry was really tiny. And it's incredible that we were praying for that so that the Australians could even help in a different country, help Americans get to know God. And it was two years later, mm-hmm. yeah, two years later, um, Australians came to, in an inter- internship to ODU and they reached out to Cody. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just crazy, so insane to get to hear like God's working all over the world. You know, it's not just like in, in one place. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that little part of our story that God, God's been working in all of our lives throughout our whole lives. Right. You know, it's not one specific right decision we made and all of a sudden that's what like yeah. made us a disciple. I mean, they can do this, Lord. I think that might be it. But um, <laughs> that God wants to get into our lives and wants to use all of our decisions in the mission anywhere we are. Um, but I just wanted to share a little bit more about, about our story in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it was crazy that I was, it was second semester, or second semester, sophomore year, horrible first semester, and I was going to the gym uh, because I was dedicated. Now I'm going to get back uh, in shape, but also I'm going to cut out everything in my life, very humanistic. But the first day I was on campus, these two Australian guys come up and talk to me. And right now, like, like I said, I didn't grow up religious. I don't even know why I agreed to study the Bible. <laughs> um, but it was cool how God used that. You know, God used that one instance to change my entire life. Um, and that's, in, in the mission, that's what we have the opportunity to do, yeah. is to course correct people's lives yeah. for, for God's glory. Um, and so that's a little bit about us. That's who we're going. We're, we're, we're trying to make a faithful decision to go to Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, this is Lynchburg, uh, not too far from here. It's maybe an hour and ten minutes. Maybe you guys, some of you guys are from there uh, or have been there before. It's about 50 square feet. Or square miles, sorry. That would have been really small. That would have been really small. But it's actually fairly big. Uh, 50 square miles. There's about 75 to 80,000 people there. Um, you can see the little dots. Those are all the universities or campuses that are in Lynchburg. Um, what's crazy, I, I read this stat that there are more churches than convenience stores what? in Lynchburg. Like I said, a form of godliness. They're searching for something. Yeah. There's people there that I'm just going to go to the local church, which could be three on three separate corners. Yeah. I, going, just driving in Lynchburg, you'll see a ridiculous amount of churches. Us as a church, we're going to plant a church there. Not because they, they don't already have them, but because we can go faithfully and make a huge difference and have people actually living out God's word and God's will for our lives. Yeah. You go to the next slide. Okay. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about if your heart is pricked. And even if it's just a little bit, or maybe it's more so, so my friend might be interested. Amen. That's okay, too. Um, We just wanted to let you guys know a little bit about the job opportunities out there. Because realistically, we all have jobs, right? we got to be able to pay for a move and living and all of that. So these are just some of the industries that are out there. 
Um, higher education is a huge one, of course, like all the colleges that we pointed out. Um, so if you have ever worked in you know, university, whether it's faculty or staff, they definitely need help out there with that. Um, healthcare and insurance, so if you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, if you work in the medical field, every little town's got to have hospitals, right? In places where you go to the doctor, so that's a good uh, industry. Public schools, of course, a bunch of kids need uh, teachers, so if you're a teacher, that'd be a great opportunity. And then other opportunities are working for the city itself, manu manufacturing is a big one, and nuclear engineering. Who would have thought, right? Um, but if you know a nuclear engineer who's faithful for the mission, or if you are one, please, by all means, think about it and talk to us. Yeah. Amen. I've been poking a couple guys in Hampton Roads who, uh, who work uh, in nuclear energy for the Navy and uh, praying for that. Um, there are a lot of colleges. The biggest college there is Liberty University. Mm -hmm. Not sure you're aware of this, but they're a pretty big deal. <laughs> um, they were in the tournament, the March Madness. I know you guys have your own. <laughs> but Liberty is kind of a big deal. And uh, in 2020, 2021, they actually play UVA. So... Amen. They're, they're a great school. It is a, um, it's a Christian university. Um, there's also Lynchburg, Uni University of Lynchburg, previously known as Lynchburg College. Um, Gabe Santos uh, was a professor there. Um, so pray for that. And if you're a teen and you're interested in, in colleges or, or anything like that, please come talk to us as well. Um, we have a couple students that are already interested in Liberty or Lynchburg College. So uh, if you're a parent of a team, you can also push it a little bit as well. Um, and then there's also Randolph College. Um, one of the major industries is in Lynchburg is the higher education because of these universities. Um, yeah. So please, if there's a 1%, half a percent, 0.1% chance that you would be interested uh, or like Brittany said, you have a friend that might be interested. Um, please come talk to us. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be, well, we got to pick up Kindle. But right after that, we'll, we'll be out there. Uh, if you're interested, please come talk to us. I'd love to grab lunch afterwards. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're excited for the opportunity. Uh, we're excited to make faithful decisions. Uh, but more importantly, we're excited to go and impact Lynchburg with the mission. So please pray with me and then uh, we'll have a, a final song.